You ready for the word? I want to begin by asking asking you a question. Have you ever heard someone say, when you mention that maybe a certain behavior is a sin, have you ever heard someone say, well, you're just being judgmental? And Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. Is saying that something is a sin judgmental? You sure? Let me tell you, it can or it can't. And sometimes it depends on your motivation. <laughs> and we're going to look at that today in this, what the Bible says about that. We're continuing our journey through James, studying wisdom for everyday life. And today I'm preaching on wisdom about judging. And our text is found in James 4, 11 and 12. Let's start with verse 11, where James says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. Don't speak evil against each other. That, that's a phrase that can mean speaking badly of them behind their backs, gossiping about them when they don't have a chance to defend themselves. It, it, uh, it also can mean slander or accuse or in this context, in the context of judging, to condemn, to condemn someone. We're going to look at what judging means in, a, in just a few minutes. But this sin, James says, is wrong for two reasons. First, it breaks the, law, the, the royal law that says we should love one another. And secondly, it takes on a person that takes on the right of judging that only God has. Verse 11 continues. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Now, I got to tell you, that stumped me for a while. That, that challenged me to really understand, if I judge you, I'm judging God's law. If I criticize you, I, I'm criticizing. How, how does judging a person equate to judging God's law? That, it really, I'm serious. I had to do some study and, and figuring this out. And, and one thing that really helped me, I looked up all the words, and I always do that in the, in the Greek and see what they mean. But it helped me to look at other versions. Um, and uh, the Living Bible says this. Don't criticize and speak evil about each other, dear brothers. If you do, you will be fighting against God's law of loving one another, declaring it is wrong. I read, I read uh, Dan Berger's Interpretive Bible, and it says basically the, the same thing about you're breaking the law of love. And it reminded me, if we're in context here with James, what James said earlier in James 2.8, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture... Love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. So when James says that judging others means you are judging the law, what he's saying is that when we judge and condemn others, we are breaking the law of love, loving others, and we're putting ourselves above God's authority. Here's the way James says it in verses 11 and 12. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Isn't that interesting? I think that's the New Living Translation. Your job is to obey the law, not, you're sitting there, I mean, some of people sitting around figuring, now, can I get away with this one, or can I not get away with that one? Does this one really apply to me, or, or what? No, your job is to obey it. 
God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? What James is arguing is this. To judge others is to break the law of love that commands us to love one another. Not keeping that law for, puts us outside of the law of love and, and above the law of love, and we become a violator then of the law, and we put ourselves in this position of being other people's judge. And to get into the function and the role and the position of a judge is something that's forbidden by Jesus. The most famous passage about not judging is found on the ser- in the Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Jesus in Matthew 7, 1 and 2, where he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Sobering scripture. It's also one of the most quoted scriptures of all time. And it's also one of the most misunderstood and misquoted scriptures of all time. Because a lot of people take it to mean that verse is saying you can never point out anybody's sin. They say, yeah, I cheated on my wife, but who are you to judge? We're all sinners, right? (laughs) You ever had somebody say something like that to you? So this passage is often used, misused, to condone sinful behavior, frequently used by the person having engaged in the behavior in question. And what they're saying is, in effect, this. I can do whatever I want, and if you correct me or disagree with me or say it's wrong, you're being judgmental. So then I say to them, so you're telling me that what I'm doing is wrong. And they're, right, they're like, yes, what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> so I can't tell you doing something is wrong. That's being judgmental. But it's okay for you and right for you to tell me that I'm doing something wrong. You're being judgmental. Of course, they never can make that, that, that some synapse is not working properly in their brain to allow them to agree with that. But judge not does not mean you can never point out another person's sin. Now listen, none of us should be going around always pointing out other people's sin. I'm going to teach you on that. So hear my whole sermon, please. Some people think they have that gift. Well, it's true. Well, just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it. Just because you thought it doesn't mean you need to say it. But we know that it's not true that you can't point out other people's sin because it happened all the way through the Bible. Nathan pointed out David's sin with Bathsheba. Peter pointed out, Paul pointed out Peter's sin of hypocrisy. Peter pointed out Ananias' and Sapphira's sin in the middle of church and they fell over dead. Y'all want to go back to the power of the New Testament church? Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15, if another believer sins against you, 
go privately and point out the offense. Is that scripture? We've got to let scripture judge scripture. Obviously, the command to not judge does not mean you can never, ever point out a sin. How can we help people overcome sin in their lives if we don't acknowledge the sin of their lives, if we're all living like we got our heads in the sand and never seeing anything? By the way, Matthew 18 tells us specifically how to deal when someone sins against us in the church. Please, 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 please read Matthew 18. I don't have time to teach it all today, but he tells you three things. Number one, go to the person first. That's what it said here, uh, uh, where Jesus said also, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point it out. And he said, if they don't listen to you, then take two or three other people with you. Not just random people, but I would say people who probably experienced the same thing from them. And number three, if they don't listen, then go to the church. We don't see much church discipline happening these days properly because it usually breaks down in step one. I can't tell you how many people have come to me or Pastor Deb over the years and told us somebody had done something to offend them. And we always say to them, well, have you talked to them like Matthew 18 tells you to do? And they invariably say, oh, no, I could never do that. To which I say, oh, no, you could never obey the words of Christ? Well, I, I, I just don't see I could ever do that. What they want is they want me to talk to the person, but they want to do it anonymously. They don't want to, me to tell them who the, who, who the person was that talked to me. So I'm supposed to go to you and rant, say some random person came up to me and said you offended them. I am never going to do that. I don't respond to anonymous letters and complaints, and believe me, I've got them over the years. If somebody is too cowardly to put their name down in a piece of paper, what they said really doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know who they are or what their motivation is. But if you refuse to go to somebody who has offended you, here's what I always say. Don't expect a biblical resolution if you don't handle this in a biblical way. If you're not mature enough in the faith, and if you don't care enough about that other person to go to them in a loving manner and point it out, Listen, when it gets to this point, the person who is unwilling to talk to a brother or sister in Christ to work out an issue is the one who is now disobeying God. And they keep going through this cycle of offense because they never handle it biblically. Please, if somebody offends you, don't come to me. Don't go to your spouse. Don't go to some other person. Don't gossip about it. Go to that person. And here's, here, uh, this isn't in my notes, but I just want to help you. This, this always helped me because I'm not a confrontational person. Tell yourself this. I'm, I'm going to seek clarification, not confrontation. So I go with, here's the spirit I go in. Hey, I love you, and I just want you to know that you said this, could you help me understand what you meant by that? 
They may have meant something totally different from what you're thinking. And you may be all upset about something they didn't even mean. So just go to them and say, hey, can you help me understand? What, can you, that, that's a, that's a, a better way to do it. That's the way you should do it. You should get the clarification first. I learned that the hard way by confronting people before I got clarification. Then I had to go, never mind, sorry. That's called rushing to judgment. See, and, and, and we're not to do that. And, and by the way, so when Jesus says we're not to judge, he's not talking about pointing out obvious sin. He is talking about a critical, unloving, holier-than-thou attitude that acts like a courtroom judge sentencing other people to certain punishments. Jesus is saying, we're not the one who determines the, the consequences in other people's lives. And that's going to help you if you understand the Greek, the Greek meaning of the word judge. The, 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 the Greek word, the biblical word is krino. That's the transliteration, K-R-I-N-O. And it means this, and I have it up here so you can take a picture of it or it'll be in the notes that are always online. It means, here's what, here's what judging means. To assume the office of a judge, to undergo the process of a trial, not necessarily a courtroom trial. These trials are in your mind. <laughs> Weighing the evidence and, and all that. Pronouncing your opinion about right and wrong. Then deciding guilt or innocence. Right. Passing a sentence. And then executing judgment through condemnation or punishment. In other words, when you're judge, you're putting yourself in the roles of, of judge, jury, and executioner. And so you, might, so you can condemn the person verbally. That could be the outcome. Or you could, you, you know, you, there's ways to punish people. There, there's ways you can try to make them hurt, to get back at them, to make them pay. See, now you've gone off into a wrong kind of judgment. If you're after somebody to try to make them pay, that is wrong. So there, there's kind of two possible responses here to the, the command of Jesus Christ to not judge one response is that no one should judge anyone else because we're all sinners. And I know that's the popular opinion today's culture which, uh, in which tolerance is the highest virtue. Unless you disagree with those supposedly tolerant people. It's interesting how the tolerant can become the most intolerant. And how those... Crying out, don't judge me the loudest can be the most judgmental. But the second possibility that I'm judging not is that we should all change our own behavior and live right before God before judging others and helping them to do the same. And that's what Jesus is actually saying in the Sermon on the Mount. He's warning us to be careful about the way we judge others and the motivation for ju judging others. And he's giving us a warning here, a gracious warning. He says, if you're starting to play judge, jury, and executioner, you're going to find yourself on the receiving end of your own standard. He says, you're gonna, the measure you use is the measure you'll receive. That's a frightening prospect. What Jesus is addressing in the Sermon on the Mount is hypocrisy. People who go around pointing out everybody else's sin without dealing with their own. It's like an unrepentant adulterer going around accusing everybody else of adultery. I kind of think you're kind of disqualified there, bro. 
And many of us disqualify ourselves from being able to help others. And I'm trying to undergird this and under, uh, for, for you to see that the goal in all of this should be to help others, not to hurt them. Jesus show how we dis- shows us how we disqualify our- ourselves in Matthew 7, 3 through 5. This is after he says, judge not, because you're going to use the same measure. Then he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I mean, you got this big old plank sticking out of your eye. And you're trying to get close to this guy. To look at this. Get the, you can't even reach the speck in his eye because your plank is smacking him upside the head. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank hanging out of yours? You hypocrite. Listen to this. This is one of those scriptures that people never get to the next verse. Listen to this. Some of y'all never even heard this. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. People always thought, you don't de- deal with my speck. You never deal with my speck. Leave my speck alone. Deal with your plank. Yes, we have the responsibility to remove specks from their eyes. It's speaking of the sins in their life. We have a responsibility for each other to help each other live holy. And, and the point of this is, is not just, oh, well, you know, everybody's got issues. You got specks. I got a plank. Let's just leave each other alone. We all got something. The point of this scripture is to deal with the plank and the speck. Many people think we should never remove either, but God wants them both removed. It's not judging others to help them remove the speck from their eyes. It's not. But here's the problem. Jesus said we disqualify ourselves from being able to help others with their sin if we don't deal with ourselves first. It's so easy to see somebody else's faults and to be oblivious to our own. I see my wife's issues much clearer than my own. She doesn't have many, but I just tend to justify myself more. That's what we do. We justify ourselves and judge others. You know, well, I'm just... I'm, I'm telling the truth. But when other people speak the truth to me, well, I judge them because they're, they're being rude. They shouldn't have said that. I'm just being firm, but they're being controlling. You know, I reconsider what they thought, but they lied. I'm just explaining to somebody, but they're gossiping. I'm just, man, I'm tired. I'm wore out, but they're lazy. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I'm hurt right now, but you're hurtful. We've got to first get rid of the plank in our own eye before we can see clearly to help our brothers and sisters. And here's the thing. We may not see that plank, but everybody else sees it. It's called blind spots. If you've got a blind spot, there's probably a big old plank coming out of your eye blocking your vision. And some of us are just knocking people over all the time with the planks in our eyes. And why should somebody with a speck want you to help them when you've got a plank? They don't. You know what they're thinking? Exactly what Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 5. You hypocrite. 
The word hypocrite literally means putting on a, on a mask and acting like you're somebody else. And if people see you walking around with a plank in the eye trying to judge everybody else, acting all spiritual and self-righteous, trying to be something you're not, you're the last person they would ever trust with the speck in their eye. See, some people think a, 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 a hypocrite is someone who claims to be a Christian but still does bad things occasionally. That's not true. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. A hypocrite is somebody who acts like they didn't sin when they did. They pretend to be something they're not. And then they judge others for doing the very thing they're pretending not to do. That's why Romans 2.1 says this, you therefore have no excuse. You have no excuse. You who judge, pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Husbands, have you ever been upset with your wife because she loses her keys or can't find her cell phone? Misplaces her wallet. <laughs> so easy to get upset. How many times are you looking for that phone? And half the time you're using the light on your phone to try to find your phone. <laughs> you ever done that? I can't find my phone. Let me turn this light on. Maybe it's under here. <laughs> well, have you ever lost anything? Come on. Wives, have you ever got upset with your husband because he forgot an anniversary or a, a birthday? Well, I, I understand, but have you ever forgotten something important? It's easy to judge others and excuse ourselves. Now, here's a reason why. I want you to get this. Listen to me very closely. We usually judge other people by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. We usually judge everybody else by their actions, what they do. But we judge ourselves by our intentions, what we intend to do. Yeah, I haven't done it right yet, but I'm intending to get it right. But you're doing it wrong. I don't know the intention of your heart. Why shouldn't we believe the same about others? And They may have good intentions. Why don't we give them the benefit of the doubt? Why don't we live with our spouse like we're on the same team and we have goodwill towards each other and, and, and we want to bless each other and we give each other the benefit of the doubt instead of quickly jumping each other's case. And, and, and here's what Jesus said again in Matthew 7 too. In the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the way you treat others when they mess up is the same way you're going to be treated when you mess up. You ever throw a boomerang? You know, you throw a boomerang out and it comes back to you? Well, let me tell you, there's a boomerang effect in all of this. Your self-righteous judgment has a boomerang effect. And so does your kind, patient, acceptance, and tolerant judgments of other people. Whatever you dish out is going to be dished back to you, good or bad. And some of us think we are the official spec inspectors of other people. Got the uniform, Speck Inspector, Joe. <laughs> but the truth is we aren't qualified to judge others. When we make a judgment, we're doing it with limited information. We don't see the whole picture. We don't know what's in their hearts. Only God does. 
1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord sees somebody's heart when he judges. We're looking at the outside, the way things appear to us. I read a book once by Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's a great book, but he tells a story in there about about something that happened to him on a subway once. He was, the trip was very calm and peaceful until they made this stop and a man got on with his kids and the kids were very unruly and loud and yelling and throwing things and running around and the man just sat down next to Stephen Covey and, and, and didn't do anything to quiet his children. And the longer it went on, the more irritated Stephen Covey got. He couldn't believe this. This man would be so rude and let his children run around like that. It was obvious that everybody on the train was being disturbed. So finally, Finally, he turned to the man and said, sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you could try to control them a little more. And it was like the man just kind of woke up out of a daze and and suddenly conscious and aware. And he said softly, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I, I should probably do something about it. But we just came from the hospital where their mother just died. And I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. And I'm sure they don't either. And Stephen said at that moment he had a major paradigm shift where all of a sudden he saw the whole thing differently. He felt differently about the man and the children. He behaved differently. His irritation instantly vanished. His heart was filled with this man and these children's pain. He felt sympathetic and sympathetic and compassionate. He told the man how sorry he was for his loss. And he asked him if he wanted to talk about it. His whole perspective changed in an instant. See, that's what happens when you can see into somebody's heart. You're not so quick to judge. We all need a paradigm shift like that, a radical change in our assumptions about how to approach something. That rude waitress that you're just so upset with, and I'm going to give her a penny tip, you don't know what she's going through at home. You don't know if she got a doctor's report or if her husband just kicked her out of the house. You don't know what's going on. That, That stranger who took your parking spot that you're so mad at, maybe they didn't see you or maybe they they need a closer spot because they're, they're having a hard time walking. I, I'm not excusing other people's behavior. I'm just saying we don't see the whole picture. If we did, we would not be so quick to judge. In John 7, 24, Jesus said, do not judge according to appearance. But judge righteous judgment. If you're just judging by the way things look on the outside, you're going to be wrong most of the times. Righteous judgment is right judgment, and it's based on the word, but it's based on a right perception. And not, not to make a judgment based on a first impression, which is usually based on prejudices, our prejudices. Instead, believe the best about others until we have a reason to believe contrary. Romans 14, 4 says it like this. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. I love that. God is able to make us stand. And if judging were all up to us, listen, we would probably make a mess of things every single time. But when we trust God to judge, justice will be done. Listen, if you're out to condemn somebody and to make them pay, you're going to mess up the situation. You've got to trust God who said in Hebrews 10 30, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. If you let God do it, he's going to do it right. If you take over that judging job, you're going to mess it up. 
That's Jesus cautions us against that when he says, judge not or you too will be judged. He's condemning judgment, judgmentalism. He's not condoning passivity. Some people are so afraid of being judgmental that they've gone into being permissive. And they will never condemn anything as a sin or even say it's a sin or that a doctrine is false because to them that's being judgmental. They accept sin in the name of love and acceptance and tolerance. But both judgmentalism and being permissive are extremes. We need to be careful about being harshly judgmental, but neither are we to just overlook sin. We need to be able to recognize sin for what it is and any attempt to overlook or justify sin is in itself sinful. The command to not judge does not mean we don't call sin, sin. It doesn't mean we don't make certain judgments. In 1 John 4, 1, John tells us not to believe every preacher who comes along, but judge whether they are of God. Discern the spirits. Open your Bible. Be like the Bereans. Check out, is this really true? Don't just accept everything you hear. In 1 Corinthians 5, 11, you ought to read 1 Corinthians 5. It'll curl some of your hair or uncurl some of your hair because it is all about uh, church discipline in the Corinthian church. And Paul was dealing with this serious situation. It was a sexual situation. And in 5, 11, he tells us, do not associate with someone who claims to be a believer yet commit sexual sin. Don't associate with them. If they're greedy or they're in idolatry or they slander or they're into drunkenness or they cheat people. Listen, that requires making a judgment. In 1 Corinthians 5.12, Paul says, it is, listen to this, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. Outside of the church, unbelievers. Not our responsibility. But it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. When's the last time you heard that scripture? I mean, I, I see Christians getting into Facebook arguments with unbelievers all the time over issues that are tearing each other apart. Listen, you've got to be more discerning about what you say and who you say it to. I mean, the, the Bible says... Judge, tells us to judge those in the church. Why? So we could help them, but not, not outside. Don't judge unbelievers for acting like unbelievers. But we need to help each other. Galatians 6 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. The goal of righteous judgment is to restore the person. The motivation for, right, for, for judging uh, righteous judgment is love. The means of righteous judgment is gentleness. If that's not your goal, keep your mouth shut. If you're not going out of love, keep your mouth shut. If your goal is not to help them and to see them set free, keep your mouth shut. If you're, if you're going to go harshly instead of gently, keep your mouth shut. I mean, next time you're tempted to judge, remember there's a big difference between judging arrogantly and judging with humility. Arrogant judgment says to another person, what a despicable, vile, 
person you are. But humble judgment says, you know, we're all sinners in need of the grace of God. Arrogance judgment says, I would never do anything like that. But humble judgment says, though I might not struggle, I might not struggle like they do. I do struggle in 10,000 other ways. Arrogant judgment says, I'm better than them. But humble judgment says, we both need Jesus Christ. Next time you're tempted to judge, remember Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. Remember, move that log out of your own eye. Then help your brother to remove the speck. Remember the same way you judge others is the way you will be judged. Remember not to judge based on outward appearance. Remember you have no idea what someone else is really going through. Remember only God has unlimited knowledge and wisdom and that is why he alone can judge totally righteously in in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray. I pray that you would all, you would give us all a revelation of what it means to righteously judge. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us, oh God. I'm crying out for us and the church and the church at large. Forgive us for coming across as a self-righteous, judgmental institution that only exists to, to condemn other people. Lord, forgive us when we do that. God, have mercy on us. God, I pray that you would help us judge righteous judgment that we will be motivated by your love, led by your spirit, empowered by your word. Operating in the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, meekness, humility. Lord, deliver us from a judgmental spirit and grant us humility. Lord, wherever we're at in life, we may have a speck or a plank in our eye. God, I pray you would convict us of that. Even now, Lord, I pray you would convict people of blind spots in their lives, things they've been justifying, things we've been covering up, things we've been denying. Lord, grant us godly sorrow that leads to repentance and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm gonna ask a prayer team to be down here at the front. You can stand. If you need prayer for anything, especially along this line of judgmentalism, we wanna pray with you. If you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you need healing or any other thing, we wanna see God move in your life. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you Wednesday night. There are awesome grace groups, Growing with Grace. We'll sing one more song, then we'll be dismissed.